now, as we get started on this new year, what we're really wanting to do as a church is to rekindle and to heat up our fire for Jesus. And, and this is something that is so important because of all the things that you might be endeavoring to accomplish or attain this year, and I know there are a lot of different things that you might be thinking about and, and setting your goals towards, but there's nothing that's more vital to your well-being than a living, growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? And it's just so easy to, to let ourselves slip into just kind of a, uh, you know, a half-hearted, kind of a, a lukewarm kind of religion. At a time when the love of so many for God is growing cold, we are not going to let that happen to us. All right, so last week's message was the foundation for this series. Uh, and so if you weren't here last week and you, and you weren't watching online, I hope that you'll really, really just take it to heart to go back and watch that one. Go back and watch last Sunday's. You can get, get it on our YouTube channel. You can get it on our podcast. But it's really foundational for this series, so I don't want you to miss that one. Uh, and the maxim, really, that, that we are building this series on comes from Romans chapter 12, verse 11, which says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. And so really, or as the message puts it, keep yourself fueled and aflame. And really, if you want to be on fire for Jesus this year, I would encourage you to memorize that verse. It's really short. It's easy to learn. Romans chapter 12, verse 11. Just commit that to your memory. And as you let it be imprinted on your mind, also ask the Holy Spirit to really brand it onto your heart that you want to never be lacking in zeal, but keeping your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord, or keeping yourself fueled and aflame. And so for the rest of this series, we're going to be exploring what it looks like to be on fire for God in the various arenas of our lives. And, you know, there are a lot of those, uh, but we're going to be talking about those main arenas of life that we all kind of run in. And what does it look like if I'm on fire for, for the Lord when I'm in those different contexts? And today we are going to focus on what it means to be on fire for God at home. Okay, so to build a home fire. And I'm not talking about the kind that you might get, you know, put in prison for arson if you were to build. I'm talking about a different kind of fire here. But if you're going to be fueled and you're going to be a, a flame for Jesus, really, it's got to start at home. It really has to, to go to your home. So let me ask you guys, you know, just to think about what, what does home look like for you? As we talk about being on fire for the Lord at home, what does it look like for you when you think about home? For some of you, that means, you know, your, your family of origin. You, you're living with mom and dad, and, and that's home for you. For others of you, you live in a household of one. You know, you, yourself, and you, that's, that's home. Some of you um, are married, and you have a spouse at home, or you're living with someone else. Maybe you've got a roommate, or you've got two or three roommates, some of you do. Um, some of you have started your own family. And so that's home for you. But really, whatever it looks like, whatever constitutes home for you, um, you need to feed your fire for God at home. 
It's, it's so very, very important. And, and so uh, if you want your home, whatever it looks like, to be a place uh, of haven, if you want it to be a place of security, if you want it to be a place of stability, then you've got to build that fire and passion for God into your home. Proverbs chapter 24, verses three and four says, by wisdom, a house is built and through understanding it is established through knowledge. Its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. Man, I just love, I love that verse. How many of you want your home, whatever relationships are, are in your home, how many of you want those relationships to be solid? How many of you want those relationships to be, to be resilient? How many of you want to, to have a home where beautiful gestures are, are being made between the people in your family? Well, here's how you do that. The Proverbs says, here's how you do that. You do that through filling your home with wisdom and knowledge and understanding, which in the Proverbs are always linked to an intimate relationship with God, a fear of the Lord, understanding who he is and, and being shaped by him. That's the kind of wisdom and knowledge and understanding that we need. So really what it's telling us is simply that a home on fire for God has the strongest possible foundation. Strongest possible foundation. If you want that for your home, for your family, then this is what you need. And God knows we need a solid foundation for our homes, especially with all the things that life throws at us all the time. Because, you know, when you have a, when you have a fire for God, then you're going to lean on him. And you're going to trust him and, and you're going to find him to be your comfort and your source of hope when you're going through stuff. And when your, your family is going through difficult times, you're going to find that you have a strength that is, is beyond yourself. And as the proverb says as well, you're also going to find that it brings beautiful things into those relationships that are rare indeed. And, and that's what you want. So really... And, and let me also just say this, there, that there is a difference between being a religious family or even a Christian family and being a family on fire for God. That those are really different things because a family that's on fire for God is a family where Jesus is not only acknowledged, but experienced. That's really the big difference. And so what does that look like? What does it look like for your home and your family to be on fire for God? Well, if you'll turn in your Bible to Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, or if you have a Bible app, then feel free to open that up to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and join me there because God paints a picture for us of what a home on fire for him looks like through Moses who writes the book of Deuteronomy. And so this is what he has to say beginning in verse 4 of chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Now, these are 
timeless principles that are contained in this text, even though they were written so long ago and, and they were written to the nation of Israel originally, they apply just as much to God's people today, to us. And in this text, I think we can identify four pillars, four pillars that we want to put in place to build a home that's on fire for God. So let's look at these four pillars one at a time. And the first one is found in that first verse I read, verse four. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is what? He's one. The Lord our God is one. So look, this is where being on fire for God at home begins. It begins with this clear conviction of God's position and God's priority. So pillar number one is to honor God, to honor God, to make him the singular master of your home. See, being on fire for God means what John the Baptist said about Jesus when he said, he must increase and I must what? Decrease, right? He must increase, I must decrease. That's really what it looks like. And so we've got to get our eyes on, we've got to get our knees bent before God as the Lord of our life and of our home. He is one, the verse says. And he has to be the only one who's in that top spot in our home and in our life, right? And so that means deciding that he isn't just going to be part of our belief system. No, no, he's going to be so much more than that. He is going to be the one that our life is all about. I really love what Pastor Rick Warren uh, said when he, the way he, his opening line of his best-selling book, The Purpose Driven Life, which by the way, if you've never read that book, I highly recommend that you do so. But in that, that book, he opened it this way. It's not about you, meaning your life. Your life is not about you. And he goes on to say, the purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment, your peace of mind, or even your happiness. It's far greater than your family, your career, or even your wildest dreams and ambitions. If you want to know why you were placed on this planet, you must begin with God. You were born by his purpose and for his purpose. And that, that's what you and I have to, to come to discover. We have to, to really come to understand that and believe that if we're going to be on fire for God, if we're going to have that passionate fire. Joshua is um, one of my heroes of faith, maybe yours as well. And when I think about this particular pillar, this pillar of, of honoring God and making him the master of our home, now that was something that I see in the life of Joshua. Do you remember what he said as he was challenging his countrymen in Joshua 24? He said, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my household, we will what? We will serve the Lord, right? We will serve the Lord. And this really does have to be a firm, unalterable decision that you make. And it has to be your number one family value. 
This is who we are. And it has to guide everything else that you do. So I know that for some of you who are here in the room or maybe watching online, that this is going to be a little bit more difficult than for others of you because the person or maybe people that you live with aren't believers or maybe their commitment level to God is just very, very low. Maybe your spouse is an unbeliever. And so how are you going to make God the singular master of your home in that kind of a context? Well, obviously, it's going to look a little different, right? But you can still make God the master of you at home. And that's the key. God's got to be the master of you at home regardless, because you can't control what that other person does or believes, but you can control yourself and what you do and what you believe. And that can make a huge difference in and of itself. You know, the apostle Paul said this, and I think it's just really, really intriguing. First Corinthians chapter seven and verse 14, he wrote for the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through his wife. And the unbelieving wife has been sanctified through her, un, her, her believing husband. Otherwise, he says, your children would be unclean. But as it is, they're holy. Now, what, what Paul seems to be saying here is that even before your spouse becomes a believer, if in fact they, they eventually do, even before that though, because of the presence of God in your life, that presence of God in your life is going to infiltrate your home. And in some sense, your unbelieving spouse is going to share in the blessings of your faith. And not only that, but if there are children present in your home, if you have children together, well, he says that, you know, even though you're not, you're not going to maybe be able to have quite the same spiritual agenda for your children that you would if your partner uh, or if your spouse was partnering with you in that instruction and that, and that faith, but still your faith will influence them and it will bless them. And they're going to be benefiting from God's favor on your life. And who knows, with a little patience and a little persistence, they may even eventually decide to embrace your faith as well, just because of the way you've modeled it by honoring God. So that's pillar number one. The second pillar is found in the next verse, verse five. Love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Now you've probably heard this before, haven't you? You've heard it from Jesus, right? You heard it from Jesus when he was answering a question about what is the like penultimate commandment? And this is the one Jesus quoted. So pillar number two for a house or a home on fire for God is to love God, which means giving him the best of you, the very, very best of you. And that means prioritizing that daily time with him to build the relationship. Remember from last week, uh, those of you who are here last week, to be to live on fire for God, we've got to feed the fire. You guys remember that? To live on fire, you've got to feed the fire, right? You, you got to feed the fire. Proverbs 26, verse 20 says, without wood, a fire, what? 
goes out. We know that. And, and we don't just want to keep the fire from going out, right? We want to do more than that. We, we want to actually build this thing. We, we want it to be bigger. We want it to be hotter. So we've definitely got to be putting the logs on the fire if we want that to happen. And all of the classic spiritual disciplines of Christianity are aimed at growing your love for God. That's what they're for. That's what they're all about. All those spiritual disciplines, spiritual practices. You know, Scripture says of itself that it is God-breathed. It's God-breathed. Meaning, just like God breathed life into the very first human being, you need the breath of God to bring your spirit to life, to bring your fire to life and keep it alive. And, and you know, I think about one of these the accounts in uh, the Gospels where those two disciples who had just encountered the risen Jesus are on their way back home. And, and, and as they're walking and talking with him on the road, that, that it says that Jesus opened the scriptures to begin to talk to them about the scriptures and, and how the scriptures pointed to him. And how that everything that had happened to him had been the fulfillment of prophecy. And in Luke 24, it says that they asked each other later, were not our hearts, what? Burning. Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. Okay? So if you want to fill your heart with fire for God then your home needs to be a place where you are opening the scriptures regularly and you are looking for Jesus in them. Yeah, that's what you've got to do. Open the scriptures and look for Jesus. And by the way, if you need help understanding scripture, if you're like, man, I have a hard time understanding the Bible when I read it. Hey, look, you're not alone. But guess what? There are more resources available to help you, to help guide you, to help explain what you're reading than ever before in the history of humanity. And most of them are available right there on your phone. So, hey, take advantage of those resources. But most of all, you got to get it into your heart. You got to get the word of God into your heart where it's really going to change who you are within. And a great way to do that, I have found through my life, is to journal. As you read scripture, as you're, as you're absorbing the word of God too, to write down in a journal like what you're seeing, what you're hearing from God and to pray back to him what you are receiving from him. And, and so you kind of make it into a dynamic conversation between God and you. That really helps to get it into your heart. Speaking about prayer, it's so vital, right? Prayer is so vital to our relationship with God, to having a love for God. So I, I want you to just remember, as I've talked about before in a series I did on prayer just uh, some months ago, that, that really think of prayer as not so much just going through your list of requests, but, but think of prayer as your opportunity to be present with God and to let God be present to you. That's really what prayer is ultimately about. And if you'll do that, you're going to begin to find your love for the Lord is going to grow. Pastor Marty Hunt is um, someone who has one of the I think deepest relationships of, of my friends, my personal friends. And um, he was 
telling me just a few months ago how that he felt like God had been calling him out of the, the kind of the hectic, busy, distracted mode of his life to spend the first 30 minutes of his day every day in silence with him. Just to be in silence with God, not talking, not reading, just being silent with God. And he told me like when, when he made the resolution that he was going to do this, he was going to follow that call that he was feeling that he was thinking to himself, he didn't know how in the world he was going to be able to handle that. He didn't know how in the world he was going to be able to handle 30 minutes of being quiet with God. But after having done it now for a couple of months, he told me that now he doesn't know how he could handle it without it. Like it has been so refreshing to him, so just invigorating to his, his relationship with God and his passion and his fire is stronger than ever. You know, if you have children at home, some of you do, some of you are about to, and when you have children at home, you've got to model these practices for your kids, They need to see you doing these things, or at least to know that you do them. Because remember, you're the one who's going to have to guide them into loving the Word of God and and loving being with God in prayer. That's got to come from you. And and there are so many good children's Bibles out there. There there are so many good Bible storybooks for the younger ones. And and there are easy-to-read versions as the kids get a little bit older. Something like the NIRV is a great one for older kids that are like maybe in elementary school. So, So there's so many great resources for you out there. Um, I have an, another friend, Glenn, uh, Glenn Plastina, who, who was telling me not long ago how that, you know, he's kind of set up a, a routine and he's, he's got several kids at home still. And, and they've set up a routine where they have, after dinner every evening, they have a family devotional. And it's not long. It's just, just like five, 10 minutes long, but, but they have a family devotional after dinner every night. And he actually has the different kids take turns leading the devotional and they're using a little devotional guidebook. So, and it's just, he said, it's just been so great for his family. And I think that's a wonderful idea, but you know, there is more to loving the Lord with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength than just being in the Bible. You know, and just praying, which are vital, of course, but there's more to it than that. If you really are going to love the Lord that way, you know what else you're going to do? You are going to love the people that you share your home with. You're going to love them on a whole different level. Because remember, Jesus inseparably connected loving the Lord and loving your neighbor as yourself. And you know what? Nobody's closer as a neighbor than the person who lives with you. So if you're going to have a fire for God, and if, and if you let that build in your life, then you're not only going to strengthen your love for the, for the Lord, for, for him, but you're also going to strengthen your love for your spouse, for your children, for your parents, for your brothers and sisters, and yes, even for your roommates. Yeah, you are going to grow to learn to love them in different ways, and you're going to, to follow his instructions for how to do relationships in the way that he wants relationships to look within the kingdom of God. So look at the next verse, verse 6. These commandments, he says, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your what? 
on your hearts. Thank you. So when you are building a fire for God at home and you're growing your love for him and for others, you're going to put this next pillar into place as well. And pillar number three is to obey God, to walk your talk, okay? To obey God. So when it comes to love, which we were just talking about, remember that actions always speak louder than words, right? So listen, God, God doesn't just want your praise and your prayer. He also wants your participation in the values of his kingdom. He, he wants to see you engaged, living the way that he has called you to live. So, you know, one of the reasons... Um, for our passion for Jesus is because of the lavish grace that he's poured out on us, right? I mean, that's one of the reasons we love him so much. That's one of the reasons we're so passionate about serving him is because he's such a gracious, forgiving God. But you know what? A person who's on fire for God is not a grace abuser. And it's possible for us to get into this mode of being a grace abuser, where we're basically just kind of living the way we want to live and just being happy that we're forgiven. And that is not what it looks like to be on fire for God. So let me just say that to you. If you want to be a person who's on fire for God, you are not going to abuse his grace. And in fact, what you're going to do is the exact opposite. And you're going to be a person who wants to obey him, who tries to live in the way that he has called us to live because you want to know his ways. You want to be a person who reflects his character. And so um, Psalm 101 and verse two, this is David. And he says, I will be careful to lead a blameless life. I will conduct the affairs of my house with a what? With a blameless heart, right? So where are you with that? Is your heart clicking? Is it resonating with what David said there in that verse? Are you, are you that kind of person? That's what your hope is too? And by, you know, listen, guys, none of us are going to get it right all the time. We know that. We need the grace of God desperately. But is that your heart's desire? Is that, your, is that your intent? I want to be a person who lives in the ways of God, especially starting at home with the affairs of my house. And, and, and if that's you, if, if that's your desire, then, then how does that shape what you do? How does that shape the boundaries that you have put in place for yourself at home and otherwise? How does that shape the way that you love and serve and honor the people that you live with, whoever they may be? How does it shape the way you talk to them? How does it shape the way that you treat them and the things that you do for them? I think most of us, maybe all of us, have some repenting to do, don't you? Um, I know I do. And so if you're on fire for God, never, let me just add this, never allow someone to mock you into disobedience. And you've been there probably, I know I've been there. You've probably been in a situation, whether at home, maybe somewhere else, where someone is basically trying to make fun of you, mock you, shame you into disobedience to God. Never let that happen. Um, because, you know, it's not just unbelievers who will try to do that, by the way. Someone who has a very lukewarm faith, someone who is very lukewarm in their relationship with God, people like that very often don't look any different than an unbeliever. 
in the way they live their lives. And they're just as likely to try to mock you into disobedience as an unbeliever. Don't let it happen. Don't let their lack of passion for the Lord quell yours. You know, um, it's only those who are on fire for God who are going to be committed to actually walking their talk and obeying the, the Lord in whatever ways that he has called us to live, whether it's countercultural or not, whether their friends and family get it or not, that's who they want to be, and that's what they're committed to. That's what it means to be on fire for God. But there's one more pillar I want to share before I'm done. And, and this is, is also a really important one. And this is something, again, that I, I think is going to be so important for you in your life. But it starts in verse 7, and this is what it says. It says, impress them, impress these commands that he was just talking about, on your children. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols, he says, on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Now, of course, this applies mostly to those of you who have children at home, but not exclusively so. Um, if you want to have a home on fire for God, then pillar number four is to reveal God. To reveal God and utilize teachable moments and visible reminders to do that. As you're trying to reveal God to the people that you live with. They may be your kids. Some of you have other people that you're living with. It doesn't matter. But whoever it is you're living with, you want to be revealing God to them through teachable moments and visible reminders. So now if you have children, again, if you have children at home, remember you are their primary spiritual mentor. Like, there is nobody that's going to have the kind of influence and impact that, that, that you do. So you got to fill your home. you got to fill your time with your children with input about God and the scriptures and about faith. And, and, and to, um, I've already mentioned, you know, the, the devotional times you can have with your family. I've already mentioned like, you know, having some time that you read from the Bible with them, maybe at bedtime. But, you know, if you will pay attention you will also find those teachable moments that happen throughout the week. And they can happen in any context. But, you know, it could be something as simple as you're out walking together or driving together, you know, and you see a beautiful tree or a beautiful sky, you know, or a beautiful flower. And you just take that moment to express how God must be a beautiful God, that he would create such beautiful things. When somebody hurts your children's feelings, you know, which is obviously going to happen a lot, whenever that happens, you have the opportunity to maybe share with them how, how people said awful things and did awful things to Jesus and how that he didn't retaliate, but instead he showed his strength by actually forgiving them and loving them in return. When they protest your instructions to clean up their room. You know, that's an opportunity to maybe share something about how important it is to have a heart of service, to, to want to help, to want to be a help, 
a helpful kind of person and, and how that we learn that from Jesus as we see the way that he, he was always helping and serving people and, and how important it is that love shows itself in action. And we see that from Jesus more than anyone we can think of. So you have so many different little teachable opportunities. Paul wrote to the Ephesians, uh, Ephesians chapter six and verse four, and he said, fathers, don't exasperate your children, which us dads were always guilty of doing that from time to time. But he says, don't exasperate your children. Instead, he says, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. So this is, this is something, of course, that would apply not just to fathers, but mothers as well. And Paul also, as he was uh, writing to a young pastor that he had trained named Timothy, he, he kind of commented on the fact that, that, that Timothy's upbringing had had a really indelible impact on his own faith. Um, and so in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5, he, he says to Timothy, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. And then a couple of chapters later in chapter 3, he said, and, and how from what? Yeah, from infancy, you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. So clearly, Timothy's mother and grandmother had had a huge impact on his faith. And, and again, it's, it's obviously going to, at some point, be your children's decision as to whether they're going to follow the Lord or not. And you can't control that outcome, but you have your best opportunity to point them to Jesus by being on fire for God yourself and letting your fire for God show up in your home and be the subject of countless conversations that you have with them as you reveal God to them. And use these uh, visible reminders too. That's, that's talked about here in, in, in these verses. These verses talk about two different kinds of visible reminders that you can use to help reveal God. One of them is having symbols up in visible places of your faith. Second thing is posting some of the things that you believe in writing, he says. So symbols and writing, two different kinds of visible reminders that you can put up in your home. You know, my mother... Um, who's probably watching right now. Um, hi, mom. And I, you know, when I think about mom and I think about my sisters, um, all of them kind of have this, this thing where they just have post-it notes everywhere. Um, if you go into their home and you go into their kitchen, there's going to be post-it notes with scriptures on them, um, on the cabinets or on the refrigerator. Um, and that's something that, you know, that we did too, uh, to, to some degree. But we also always, in, in my household, we always had symbols of our faith in our home. So we always had you know crosses and we had plaques and we had framed art on the walls that 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 maybe had scripture verses or or Christian song lyrics or you know something that pointed to our faith and, and these things are, are really really valuable tools because these are things that you and your kids are going to see day in and day out and every time they see those things it's just a subtle reminder that this is who we are this is who we are as a family. This is who we are as a household. 
We are people of faith. We are people who honor God. We are people who love God. We are people who obey God. And, and, and this is something that, you know, even, even if you don't have kids at home, and I know a lot of you in the room don't have kids at home, but even if you don't, this is a great practice for you as well because, you know, those things, those visible reminders will serve, you know, to encourage you and to remind you as well. And so it's a, it's a great thing. And if you have an unbelieving spouse or you have unbelieving roommates or something, you know, you know, you can put those things up. Maybe hopefully they'll let you do it. And you can just explain, Hey, this is for my benefit, but you know what? You're also planting seeds in their heart because every day when they see those things, it's an opportunity that there's this, there's this seed that's being planted and who knows whether it might germinate at some point. So remember by wisdom, a house is built And through understanding, it is established. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. And a home that is on fire for God has the strongest possible foundation. And not only that, but the hotter it gets, the more beautiful things are going to take place within that home. And so put these four pillars into place in your life. Honor God. Make him the unquestionable master of your home, the singular master of your home. Secondly, love God by giving him the best of you. Third, obey God. Walk your talk. Fourth, reveal God. And use those those teachable moments and those visible reminders to help you do that. That is how you can begin to build a home on fire for God. And so it's maybe... um, A simple next step that you can take is to begin to have a brief devotional time daily in your life. If you haven't been doing that, this would be a great way to get started. You can do uh, this for yourself and you can do it for your family. Maybe you have that brief devotional time when you get up in the morning or at lunch or at dinner time or at bedtime or, you know, but you find your time. But if you are doing it with your family, if you're doing it with kids, especially young kids, just remember to keep it short. Okay. Keep it short, but commit to it. Commit to it. That's so important. And, and you know what? Even when you commit to it, when you mess up and I said, when I didn't say if, I said, when you mess up and you miss a day or two or three, don't beat yourself up. Pick yourself up. And, and when you get back on track and then the next time you mess up and, free, and you kind of get off track for a, a couple of days or a week, again, don't beat yourself up. What? Pick yourself up. I, I really want you to remember that because I think so many people have set off on this course and they got discouraged because they kind of messed up and just couldn't seem to quite get the, the rhythm of it. And then they kind of just gave up. But don't, don't, don't give up. Just pick yourself up and, and start again. And, and as you put these pillars in place in your life, as you get started on them, then just remember this. Make it manageable in practice but combustible in passion. Make it manageable in practice, but combustible in practice. In other words, do what you can do, not what you can't do, but be all in with whatever that is. Whatever it is you can do, be all in. 
and you will build a home fire. And it's going to be a huge blessing to you and to your family. 